0: Certainly thankful uh, for the opportunity to be here with you this morning once again and thankful for the church here at Temple. I want to be mindful this morning of uh, our intent to worship as we consider the word of God and uh, ask that you would be prayerful for me that the Lord would give me the right words to speak both in this time and the service to follow. Uh, I wanna talk today about the, the scriptures, the, the Bible, and studying the Bible, the importance of the scripture in our life, and how we go about approaching and handling the scripture as believers, and what the scripture does in our lives as we become students of the Word. Uh, this morning during this, this Bible study period, uh, I wanna just share a little bit about the, the New Testament and Old Testament Scripture, the confidence we can have in them and the authority of them, uh, recognizing the congregation will increase vastly here before the second service and don't want to get too much into the message uh, before the whole group is assembled. But there's been a lot said in recent times uh, to call in question the authenticity, the authority, the reliability of the word of God. And as people of the word, which is what we as professing Christians are, unlike nearly every other religion in the world, and indeed much of uh, professing Christians in the world... We believe that we are established on the Word of God, which is solid, which is authoritative, and as we say in our articles of faith, the only rule of faith and practice. And that's important because for those who have no certain anchor for their faith, they Are blown about, as the Bible says, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. And if we're not sure that we can count on anything being real or true, then there is no stability in a very unstable world. And we all face that from time to time as we face challenges in life. We need something we can count on that's not going to change. And of course, the Word of God tells us that God is immutable. He never changes. We can depend upon God. But what do we know of God? How can we know Who God is, what God does, what God thinks, and how God is going to work in our situation. Well, the only way we can know that is how He's revealed Himself, and He reveals Himself in the Bible or His Word. When we talk about the Word of God, some people say, well, the Word of God, that's Logos, that's Jesus. He is the Word of God, and He is. But the word of God is also a term used to refer to the scripture, to the Bible. Why? Because God reveals himself in his word. And the apostle Paul writes to Timothy in the second chapter, rather the third chapter of Second Timothy. And he says scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished to every good work and in these two verses we learn a lot about how we're to consider the scripture god's word first of all he says it's inspired it's given by inspiration from god god breathes it out And in a later verse in in Peter's epistle, we learn that holy men of God, they spake as they were moved by the Spirit of God. So God breathed out his word through individuals and they put pen to paper. And that's important because if we approach the scripture with the idea that it's just the words of men who sometimes were speaking truth, but other times just their ideas then we're not going to have something we can depend upon in God's Word. We're going to think it's men's ideas maybe enhanced or directed by some spiritual knowledge or spiritual light. That's not what the Scripture tells us about itself. He says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is, if it is the Scripture, it is God-breathed, God-ridden, it's God's Word. And that means we can depend on it, we can count on it being true. Well, beyond that, he goes on and says that it's given for doctrine, teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, all of these things that the man of God, the man or woman of God may be perfect or complete and then throughly furnished, that is completely furnished to all good works. What does that tell us about the word of God? It tells us we don't need anything else. We don't need anything more. Why does that matter? Well, there are those who suggest that the Scripture is an incomplete furnisher. It's not everything that we need. There are denominations of religion that say, well, we have the Bible, but we need a whole other book that God has somehow inspired to fill in the details or complete the story. There are some who are professing Christian denominations of people who say we need the Bible, but we also need the traditions and the heritage and the history of the church. The church fathers plus the Bible plus maybe someone who's still alive today all work together to, to speak God's word into your lives. What does the word of God say? It says the scripture is a thorough, thorough furnisher that the man of God may be complete, truly furnished to all good works. You say, but I have the Bible and I don't feel like I'm complete. Well, that's a reality in every one of our lives. The Bible is not a book that we simply pick up and read from cover to cover, and then we've gained all there is to know from it. We've got it, and we're now complete. No, the Bible is a, a treasure that keeps on giving. The Bible is something we need to be engaged in constantly every day. Why? Because every time we read the Word of God, we find something new. Well, how can that be? It's so because not only did God speak the word of God, not only did God inspire the writing of the scripture, but the Holy Spirit, the comforter that he will give us, has been given us and he leads us into all truth. What does that mean? It means when we approach the word of God, the Holy Spirit gives understanding. The Holy Spirit applies that word in our hearts. Well, how's that going to happen if we don't read it? It's not. So the word of God becomes the essential in the life of the child of God. And that's why spiritual men, even in Old Testament times, said, Thy word, O Lord, have I desired more than my necessary food. It's more important to me than eating. It's more important to me than drinking. It's more important to me in some ways than even breathing. Why? Because I'm breathing the word of God when I approach his word. The Bible is important. So what Bible? There's a whole lot of discussion today about which Bible is the one we should read. Why does it matter? Well, there's a whole lot of different versions of Scripture and a whole lot of different languages in the world today. What is the inspired Word of God Well, if God did breathe his words out through men, human authors that were appointed to write his word, then the inspired word of God, the word of God is the word in the language it was written in at the time it was written in. That is God's word. So gone are all the arguments for one version over another saying that version or translation is the inspired word of God. The inspired word is the original word, but God's amazing in his providence and how he works. No original autograph, no original written copy of God's word exists in the world today. So what do we do? Can we trust God's word? My answer is absolutely. Why? Because he says his words will stand as long as the world stands. And God reigns sovereignly on his throne and he preserves his word. And we can trust the word that he preserves. Well, there's a whole lot of arguments that can be raised in defense of different manuscripts, arguments about translations in the manuscripts they're based upon. But if we believe in a God who is sovereign, who is reigning, who is active then we must believe that God is involved in the preservation and the translation of his word. And what does that mean for us? It means we can trust that if we have the word, it's there because God preserved it. And if we look back through the pages of history and we see the word of God being presented to one generation after another and God working in his church and blessing his ministry and the word of God being active and instructive and acted upon, then we can know that God is faithful to his promise and his word can be trusted. Now, there's a lot of discussion that can be had. There's a lot that can be said about how that word was delivered from one generation to another, how that word was preserved and how it was scattered and brought back together. And we can look at that and we can allow doubt to enter in. And we can say, well, we don't know if this is accurate translation. We don't know if this is accurate transmission. Maybe scribes added verses here or there. Maybe they took things away. We can raise questions and raise doubt, or we can believe in a sovereign God who has said, I will preserve my word. And we can believe that through God's means, through his devices, God ensured that his word was delivered. And we can understand that the enemy cannot destroy the word of God and his witness in this world. So what we have before us today is what God has delivered to us, and it's something that we can rely on and we can trust. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't engage in any kind of textual criticism, any review of how the Word was transmitted to us. That's important. But our perspective as we look to the history of the church and the history of the Bible ought to be one of confidence and faith in the God who began that work. Because just as we see in in salvation, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ, you can also rest assured that the God who began the work of presenting the Scripture by inspiring men of God to write as they were moved by the Spirit is able and is guaranteed to continue that work and to preserve that word. So what I'm saying is, as we begin to approach the Word of God to read and to study it, we need to have confidence that what we're reading is valid. What we're reading is sound. What we're reading is authoritative. And we shouldn't allow the questioning of a hypercritical and anti-Christian world to raise doubts in our mind even as we approach the Word of God. The Word of God is trustworthy. With that understanding, we can approach the principles of interpretation and study of the Word because there are principles that must be considered. Principles such as considering the context of the writing. And that doesn't mean just in the individual verse or text, but that means the larger picture, the chapter, the book, The Bible itself. Understanding the word of God is not separate words from separate prophets or separate apostles, all to be considered in isolation. Understanding the word is the inspired word of God means it's one author, one message. And it's constructed in a way that it is intended to be constructed to deliver a certain message. That changes the way we approach the scripture. You see, if I approach the scripture and I say, well, these first five books, they're written by Moses. So I'm going to hear Moses' words. And then I'm going to read the book of Joshua and Judges. And I'm going to understand this is written by Israelites in the, in the period uh, of the conquest of Canaan. And I'm going to read this as their words. And then I'm going to read the books of Samuel and the kings, and I'm going to recognize this is during the time of the kings, and this is a different author, a different series of authors. And I'm going to read their words. And I'm going to go read the book of Psalms, I'm going to read Proverbs, and I'm going to see these as, as separate words by David and Solomon and other kings. And I'm going to read everything in isolation as if it's by a different author entirely. If I do that, I'm not going to get the full picture. I'm not going to understand the beauty of what God has crafted. And we see that in the New Testament as Jesus Christ himself presents the Old Testament scripture. As Jesus quotes from one prophet after another. As he says, haven't you read in the scripture? And he presents the scripture. He does it seamlessly, drawing it all together. Why? Because it's one word from one author. The author is God. And as we read the New Testament, we find the same to be true. Whether we're reading the Gospels written by at least four different authors, whether we're reading the book of Acts or the epistles written by multiple different ministers, we find the same author and we find harmony in meaning, harmony in expression. So if we don't understand that, if we don't face the Scriptures with that reality, then what we're likely to do is fall into the trap of the higher critics of the last century, where we say, well, Paul had one gospel, but Peter and James had another. We believe that there's a gospel to the Gentiles that Paul promoted, but there's a conflicting message being promoted by others. And we begin to set scriptures against one another. But we're warned about that in the very word of God. Peter says that it's unwise to rest the scriptures, to twist them to a certain meaning or agenda. And he advises us that all scripture is given by God. All scripture is given by God, one author, one message. And while some scriptures are hard to be understood, they're not impossible to understand. And we compare scripture with scripture. The best interpreter of Scripture is always Scripture. Whenever we find a Scripture that we struggle with and we're not quite sure what it means or how it applies to our case or to our life, we need to recognize that we need to look to the Word of God for understanding. Oh, if if the people of God would do this more and spend less time trying to use philosophy or logic or try to work out a solution to a difficult text. Another reality as we face the Scripture is we need to understand we don't have to understand everything. It's okay to turn away from a text of Scripture saying I'm not quite sure what this means. In fact, that's much better than to approach the Scripture saying I have to work out a meaning and then adopt the wrong meaning. It's better to say I don't know than to say, I do know, and it be wrong. We need to realize that as we approach the Scripture. Why? Well, because if the Scripture is the Word of God, it's God's revelation of Himself, it's a 100% true, and it's a thorough furnisher to every good work, if I say I understand everything in the Scripture, what I'm saying is my understanding is equivalent to the author, is equivalent to God. And we should always be careful as Christians... When we set ourselves up on the level with the God that we serve. That was the first sin in the Garden of Eden. What did Satan say to Eve? Eat this fruit and you'll become like God's knowing good and evil. You'll know as much as God does. You'll be like God. And what do we as men do? Well, we try to claim perfection. We try to claim absolute knowledge. We try to say we know it all. It's okay to acknowledge we don't understand something. In fact, it's a good thing from time to time. But we're not to give up. So often people approach the Word of God, they read the Word of God, they say, well, I just can't understand this. I don't understand it. So I'm not going to bother. Maybe they don't leave the church. Maybe they don't leave Christ entirely. But they say, I'll come to church, I'll listen to the preacher talk I'll let him explain it to me, but I'm done trying to read it and understand it myself. Well, that's a dereliction of duty of the first order. That's not what we as Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to dig in the word. We're supposed to read the word with prayer, with consideration. We're supposed to try to understand it. Why? Because in a very real way, the scriptures are the means we're given of communing with God in our daily walk. We're to read the Word of God every single day because this is how we hear from God. The Christian relationship with God, it's not all about some mystical spiritual communion. No, in fact, the way the Spirit speaks to us most clearly is in the Word. And God has preserved and given us His Word. We are, as Christians, people of the book. God's book, God's Word. And the scripture is something we can depend on. It's something that provides very real answers to the trials, the troubles that we face in life. It's important that we understand that. The scripture is not just esoteric. It's not just out there. It's not just about religion and philosophy. The scripture is about real life. It speaks to our struggles, our trials. It speaks to our sin. It deals in very real ways with real people with real sins. The Old Testament doesn't present a mythology the way Norse mythology was created or like Greek mythology or any of the other mythologies that we can read about where people are heroes and villains and they're all very clear cut and they're all perfect. They're all upright. They're all heroes. Know the heroes of the faith that the Bible presents are men and women just like you and me today. Men who are after God's own heart, worshipers of God, desiring to serve God, desiring to do everything right, but on a dime they fall into sin and that sin is presented for us. Women who are born into a difficult situation They want to serve God. They also want to survive. They want to help their people. But they don't want to betray what they know is right. They make difficult and hard choices. As we read the story of Esther, we're not exactly sure that every choice she made was right. But what we know is her heart was seeking after God. And God used her to deliver his people. We read the New Testament Scripture and we read about churches that are in trouble. Churches that many of us would say have lost their very identity, their very way, but God addresses them as churches and God gives them instruction, He gives them guidance. And the struggles, the trials that they faced as congregations, they're the same as churches have faced in each succeeding century. They're the same trials, the same struggles we face today. God doesn't give us a picture of a perfect church in the first century that we have to live up to, where we'll go through life being discouraged, saying we'll never make it, we're not as good as they were. He gives us a church that's authentic, that's real. And He shows us that the key to survival as a church in this world, is acknowledging our own inability and trusting in him and knowing that he is alive and knowing that he is well and knowing that he is ruling. When we can see that in the scripture, then the scripture all of a sudden is made real and applicable in our daily life. The scripture applies to our families. Why? Because God writes to families. He addresses them where they are, the struggles that we face. So we're going to talk later this morning about how it is that we study the scripture and how the scripture transforms our lives as an instrument of God in sanctifying those who are called by his grace. But as we do that, Let's understand, let's understand that the scripture is something we can depend on. It's a matter of faith, faith in God. God who inspired the word has preserved the word, has presented it to us, for us. And it's all part of his sovereign plan that is transforming us from sinner to saint that's transforming us from a babe in Christ to a mature child of God, that's conforming us in a very real way to the image of Jesus Christ, who himself was established in the word of God, who himself, though he was God, chose to quote his own words as the authority for much of his teaching. We've been given a great gift, and having that gift, we must, we must show our appreciation by a devotion to the Word of God. Now all of those questions we raised, questions about versions, questions about transmission, questions about translation, those are all things we can talk about, they're all things we can discuss and look into, but what we must understand is, The message of God's Word is true, it's solid, and it is the only foundation for a Christian life. It's a foundation He's given us, and for that we should be completely thankful. Let's pray. Almighty Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. Father, we thank You for allowing us to meet together in this place. I thank You for Grace Community Church here in Temple and ask that You would... Be with and bless uh, us, bless this congregation, Father, that you would enable us to grow together in your word, that we would be strengthened uh, with might in the inner man, Father, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide and direct. Father, I ask that you would continue to bless your churches throughout this nation and this world, that you would uh, lift up your name and magnify yourself, that your people would call upon you, would trust in you and and in your word, that they would find peace, direction, and, and Father, that you would reform this world to a place of service, of sacrifice, and of praise. Father, we ask that you would uh, you would work in us and through us, and Father, that you would enable us to, to live in a way that would be pleasing to you, be with us the remainder of this day and the service to follow, lift us up, that we might sing praises to your name, and Father, that we might be lifted up with you and that your spirit would commune with us. We give you praise, we give you thanks, in Jesus' name, amen.